Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you are a pre-PA, a PA student, or a physician assistant, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. Before we get started, here's a few housekeeping items. First, we want to tell you about something we are doing that we know is going to be so incredibly valuable to you. We have an application to acceptance course that shows you exactly how to create your most competitive application, and it's a game changer for helping you get into PA school. But here's what we are doing. When you sign up for our application to acceptance course, we are going to go through every single piece with you every week. So not only do you get the course, but you get us every week to help you personally create your strongest CASPA application. We help you get your personal statement done and make sure it's epic, help create your strongest CASPA experience descriptions and everything in between so that you are ready to submit when CASPA opens and not just submit, but submit with confidence in your most competitive application so you can land interviews. Let's get you into PA school. Sign up in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. Brittany, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. To get started, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to the pre-PA route. Yeah, so I currently practice as a medical speech-language pathologist and kind of found my way to PA through that avenue, but I guess I'll circle back around to that in a minute. But yeah, I lived in Japan for a while for school during undergrad, and that's what I got my undergraduate degree in was actually Japanese language. And so I lived over there for a while for school and then afterwards working and then kind of moved back and found speech language pathology and kind of went that way. But I feel like there's probably so much to say with that question. (laughs) But yeah, I guess just to kind of get down to it, that's the path that kind of led me to being a speech language pathologist. And then for PA, it was just kind of my whole career in that is what I guess sparked everything. And so it was every setting I worked in, all the patients that I worked with, the families, And that's kind of the short and sweet of everything, but I don't know. Here we are. It's crazy. I can't believe it. (laughs) So did you work with PAs in your position? Is that kind of what puts you onto the second career path? Yeah. So I worked with PAs in some of the settings. Um, Some of them I didn't, but actually a lot of what I did as an SLP in inpatient rehab and especially in home health. I worked with PAs, NPs, you know, MDs, DOs, that sort of thing. But those are probably the two settings that I think I kind of engaged with them the most and leaned on them for, you know, their medical knowledge and what I should and shouldn't do with patients and things like that. I consulted a lot of them to, to be like, hey, you need to go see GI, you need to go see ENT. And so kind of those relationships were really, really important from kind of sparking my interest in moving further, for sure. So looking back on your journey now that you've been accepted and you know that PAC is in your future, what are some things you wish you knew before starting the PA application process? Ooh, um, I think that's just to kind of take it one step at a time. I think when you, I guess CASPA opens, you're just like, ah, and you want to get everything done right away, (laughs) which it's really good from day one to kind of get your ducks in a row, but to just remember to breathe. Don't check your email every like 30 minutes, even though you want to like go for a walk, go for a run, you know, once you're off of work and stuff and you need to fill your mind with things to do, do not just sit down and check your email all the time. But yeah, I I think for the application process in general, it's really about prepping beforehand, which is where y'all's like application to acceptance course was so helpful. Um, 
because you kind of have a lot of what you need done already. So when the application cycle does open up, you're kind of like, okay, let me plug and play a little bit. So I think that's what I would suggest. What do you think the hardest part of the whole pre-PA journey in CASPA application? And what do you think was a breeze? I don't know that anything was a breeze, I'll be honest, but I do feel like, (laughs) um, I, I think for me, what was really helpful is at the very beginning when I was even considering is PA the right path? I think just kind of sitting down and mapping out what that would even look like to get started with taking courses, you know, what schools are requiring because they all do require things that are still different, whether it's biochem or ochem or both, you know, there's just so much difference in all the programs and what they require. And so I think kind of sitting down and being like, what does that even look like? And is that going to take me a year or two or three, you know, just having that expectation kind of set up front really gives you a firm grasp on what to expect and I think can help, you know, prevent things from being too overwhelming and not moving forward with it at all. So I think the beginning part was, it was definitely a lot of conversations with friends and healthcare and things like that. Lots of hikes about like their experience and like, oh, well, do you like being a PA and stuff like that. So I think just sitting down really and mapping out your route and seeing, seeing if it's something that, you know, is feasible for you and something that you're motivated enough to accomplish. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, you majored in Japanese, you went overseas, you came back, you were a speech language pathologist for a while. So you're a pretty non-traditional student as far as PA student goes. What are some pros and cons you think about being a non-traditional student? How did it help you? And then maybe some barriers you think you faced? Mm -hmm. I think being non-traditional is I think it's really wonderful. It gives you lots of life experience, not just being in school and behind, you know, a desk for a really long time. But I think being non-traditional, you know, for my route specifically, I lived in another country. So having that kind of cultural awareness is really important, at least for my piece it was. And then working a lot in healthcare and being especially in a job that I did have to make lots of decisions and you have to advocate for patients and that I think they don't teach you enough about how uncomfortable that can make you feel when you're like, no, I disagree with you. (laughs) And so I think it's all of those experiences of working in healthcare and kind of a slightly more advanced role and then living in another country. I think the hard thing is definitely going to be actually going back to not making a good salary <laughs> for a while, but yeah, I, I think being non-traditional is great. I, I think the, probably the con with that is that I had to go back and take some of my bio and chemistry courses again. And I was like, Oh gosh, <laughs> I just don't like chemistry. It's not fun. And it's totally I'm sure that people you. share that sentiment, but it's that. <laughs> Um, I was not a big fan of chemistry either. So uh, if you're comfortable, can you tell us a little bit about what you think some of your weaknesses and strengths were for your CASPA application just for pre-PAs that may be in the same boat and just need a little bit of encouragement and motivation? Yeah, so weaknesses, being completely transparent, my undergraduate experience was not the best. I don't think I had like this stellar GPA by any means. And so I think that was definitely the weakest part of my application. And I think I even took like an intro to chemistry course when I was a Japanese major. And of course, I definitely didn't care about that then. And so I I think I got a C in it. And I was just like looking at my transcripts and I was like, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) We're going to have to explain some of these. But I just went back and retook everything because I didn't want to chance it with, you know, 
a C. I can, I know I can do better. Let me show you. <laughs> so that was probably the weakest part. I think the other weak part about my application would probably just be, I mean, being non-traditional, it can be a strength and it can be a weakness. It really just depends on the program. And again, being completely transparent, I was actually at an interview. It was my second interview. So I interviewed at my top choice school first and that was nerve wracking, but thank you guys for the mock interview. It was the best. <laughs> and while I was at my second interview, I was the oldest student there. And I remember just being like looking around the room being like, okay, my experience is wonderful, but I don't know that I fit what they're looking for. You know, if I'm the only one here that looks like this, you know what I mean? And looks like this, I mean, just like my application just doesn't quite look like everybody else's because they had us all stand up and talk about our background and everything. And for some schools, it probably could be a weakness. And well, I actually got waitlisted at, I actually, I thought the interview was wonderful, even better than my first one. And when I got the waitlist email, like a few weeks later, I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, and no matter how strong an applicant you think you are in all these other areas, like if you're just not ticking some of the boxes that they want, you might get a waitlist. And I think it's kind of humbling, but I think that's okay. So speaking of humbling, we get a lot of listeners that say, hey, like I have such bad imposter syndrome, even over applying to PA school, that they end up not pushing submit. They end up saying, oh, I'm going to do it again next year. And it just really interferes with their ability to, you know, push submit and apply and just go 100% in. Did you ever deal with any kind of imposter syndrome? And if so, like, how did you handle that and apply anyways? Oh, I think everybody does in healthcare, whether you're like just entering it or I've been in it for a while. I think everybody has that. I think you have to work hard to like make it sort of go away. (laughs) But yeah, I think it was probably hard because I I will say that SLPs are pretty diehard. And so telling other SLPs like, hey, I'm thinking about going back to school. I just, it was kind of difficult because especially when I look online on the forums and things like that, like SLPs going back to be a PA is just not... It's not common. I don't think any website for any PA school that I looked at said patient care experience, speech language pathologist. It was PT was really common. OT I saw a few times, but never SLP. And so I think it's kind of hard when you're like, okay, am I, I know I'm not the first one to do this, but I don't know anybody else who is, and I can't find anybody else online. So what do I do? And so it does kind of give you a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like, am I good enough? I don't know. (laughs) And so I tried to not let that sway me. I tried to think, okay, like it doesn't matter. Anybody can do this. Like anybody, as long as you put your mind to it, you have good time management and make it a priority. Like it will happen. It might happen a cycle or two in and you have to just, you know, kind of be prepared for that. But that's what I told myself. If I don't get it this round, it's going to happen the next round. And worst case, you apply and schools love when you reapply. Like anywhere I read on the forums, people are like, oh, I applied last year, I got waitlisted or um, I got a rejection after an interview, but I'm back and I got accepted. Like I see it everywhere on the forum. You are not alone if you feel like you're, you know, not good enough or you have some sort of, you know, umbrella feeling under the imposter syndrome thing, but you're going to get there. It just might not be the timing that you expected or the school you expected, but sometimes that's the beauty in all of this is you're meant to be where you're meant to be. And just hit submit. It, it, just make sure you've got everything in order. All of that can be really helpful and kind of either 
prepping for it beforehand so you're ready to go and you don't feel all that anxiety like, oh, am I missing something? Or maybe if you prepped a little bit more ahead of time, you wouldn't feel that as intensely and it, you know, prevent you from hitting submit. But I think having people in your corner, whether that's before, during, or towards the end of pressing submit and having an extra set of eyes might be really helpful. But just go for it. Like, do not wait. Click submit. You can do it. Backing up just a little bit, I want to touch on something that you said that I don't think is talked about quite enough. And that is how aware you were of the culture of the program during your interview. And so for applicants that are currently in the whole interview process right now, they're interviewing at different programs, what other advice do you have besides being aware of how well you fit into the cohort that is interviewing with you? Because that's where you're going to spend two and a half years of your life. Right. I think people definitely don't talk about that enough. Like, do you fit what they're looking for? And sometimes you might think you do. And sometimes you actually don't. And you might not know that until later. Looking at the faculty bios and seeing is there a wide variety in their program for backgrounds. I know some programs will put like some little quick bios of current students. And so I really do think it's important you to choose the program that you're going to fit into and that's supportive as I've gone through grad school once already. And I'll tell you, if you do not have a supportive faculty or students that like you feel like you can become a unit with, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really difficult. So do the work up front, try to figure out if you're going to be a right fit. Like, of course we all want to be a PA, but if your process is going to be so intense and anxiety provoking, or maybe it's just not the right school. So speaking of applying, did you ever have any problems with procrastination? I know that some people get 90% of their CASPA done and then just cannot um, see it through. What did you use to kind of push through and go ahead and get it done and submit it early so you can get those early interviews? I tried really hard not to procrastinate on this. (laughs) I did so much front loading of everything that by the time CASPA opened, I think it was I made sure that I had either that day off and I like, I think I swapped like that day in particular to work like a Saturday or a Sunday. And I sat down and I called every school because one of my schools was, they sent transcripts through the mail. (laughs) They didn't have any sort of like, you know, digital, like let's send this via, what is it? I don't even know the transcript services, but they didn't have it. (laughs) And uh, I was like, oh boy, okay. This was the first grad or undergrad experience that I I had and I was like okay well this is definitely time sensitive can you guys please make sure that this is sent out like as soon as possible the next day and then the following like honestly like the day of requested all my transcripts for all the schools because I didn't want that to like prevent me from submitting early and then I also contacted all my letter of rec people which I think I had five I have five people write me letters and so I contacted everybody the day of I emailed them I texted them. I was like, Hey, like in your email inbox, please check it. But I also prepped them like a week or two in advance and told them to expect that. So the first day it opened, I was requesting all of that stuff. So I don't think I really procrastinated. It worked because I've gotten a bunch of interview invites at this point. And I think submitting really early was really important in that. So no, I didn't procrastinate, but prepping the letters of rec and the transcripts is huge and having my essay written beforehand too I thought was really important because all the schools have you write more every single one was like okay answer these questions talk about prereqs during the COVID experience you know whatever questions they had I was like okay well now I gotta write like 10 more essays for this school and three more essays for that school and 
you'll be, I feel like I was surprised by that. Like I knew, I knew there was going to be extra questions, but both within CASPA and then the secondary application too, they had more questions. Yeah. The supplementals can be super overwhelming. Where are you going to be attending and when do you start? So I got accepted into Yale. I'm really excited about that. I start officially in January, but I believe they have like prep courses and stuff in December. And so I think things really actually start to pick up then. Okay, so December is when things are really going to start to pick up. So what are you doing between now and December to prepare, to, you know, prepare mentally, physically, emotionally, Mm -hmm. scientifically? What's your plan? (laughs) I have decided that I want to try to, like, go down and shift a little bit. I feel like things were really crazy for, like, a solid year and a half, two years. So I went down in shifts, which is the beauty of being an SLP. We can do those sort of things. I'm going to travel. We're going to try to do some international stuff and then also some, you know, domestic trips. And then getting back into all the things that I kind of put on the back burner, aerial sports, rock climbing, spending time with my partner and my dogs and running around outdoors is probably going to be what I spend a lot of my time doing because the schoolwork will be here. I know some people kind of prep and I might bring like, I don't know, anatomy and physiology book with me on some sort of random trip here or there and see if I have like the energy for it (laughs) at a time or if I should just kind of conserve and wait till the time is here. Well, I think that's the majority of what I'm going to be doing. It's enjoying life. That sounds amazing. Where are you (laughs) going to go internationally? Um, Internationally, we've talked about Thailand, Israel. I think those are top two right now is, is one of those, Thailand or Israel. So... Awesome. And this is actually a really good segue into our last and final question is who is Brittany when the future white coat comes off? All the things I kind of just said, I like to travel. I like to spend time with my partner and my dogs doing outdoor stuff, aerial sports. I'd like to get back into photography if I have the time to add that in there. But right now I feel like I have too many things that I'm trying to enjoy. (laughs) So I've got to fix, you know, pick and choose, but Yeah, lots of things outdoors, and my puppies, as often as I can bring them along, I definitely will. I'm a huge nerd. I lived in Japan for a couple of years, so anime, video games, all of those things, too. Usually, I try to fit those in at night when it's not sunny and, you know, I could be outside. Awesome. Brit, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. You're amazing. We're so excited for your future and that we are going to be colleagues one day very, very soon. If anybody listening wants to contact you or reach out to you or have a question, is there a way they could do that? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I am at Memoirs of a Butters. You can find me there. Like, I think on my bio, I put SLP to PA so people could find me if they do have questions. I know in the world of speech, it was really hard to find anybody else who's doing what I was doing. So those people are out there and they have questions, even if they're another therapist or pre-PA of any sort, feel free to reach out. This has been a crazy journey, but here we are. We're at the front door. And seriously, thank you guys so much again. The mock interview was such a rad experience. I couldn't believe how nervous I was for it. (laughs) And I was also like finishing up like seven days straight of work. So I like logged on and was like a little bit brain dead. And I was like, okay, we've got to go. Like this, the time is now. (laughs) But that mock interview seriously whipped me like right into shape because my first interview was Yale. And I was like, oh boy, I need to have some prep for this. But it was awesome because if I could give any advice, especially to anybody who's about to have some interviews, like do a mock interview with you guys. It 
was awesome to have the, you know, the very end, like, let's go through the questions and give you a feedback. I wrote down everything you guys said and went back through and like rewrote the notes and was like, all right, cool. So if they ask me these questions, here's like, here's the things that I shouldn't, shouldn't say. And my ADD definitely kicks in hard. And some of these things where I'm like, oh yeah, now I'm on a tangent, like so far away from the original question. Like, let's see if I can like make my way back. So it was really helpful to have that feedback and guidance. So thank you guys again. It was great. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. All right, Brittany, thank you so much again. And can't wait to have you back on the podcast when you're a PA and see which specialty you're in. Yeah, that would be so cool. <laughs> that's, that's right. And hey, we're so excited for you. We're excited about your journey and can't wait to hear what you think about Yale and everything. So keep in touch. Yes, we'll do for sure. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so excited for your future as a PA student and a PA. We hope this CASPA cycle is going great for you. Our rule is if you aren't landing interviews, there is something that needs to be fixed with your CASPA application. And if you aren't landing a seat, then there's something that needs to be improved with your interview answers. So if you are stuck somewhere in this process, then definitely reach out to us because it is our mission to help you get accepted to PA school. We specialize in all things pre-PA and to make you the most competitive candidate. From CASPA app editing and feedback sessions to mock interviews, we will show you exactly what you need to do to stand out. Keep up the great work, and we can't wait to see what your future holds as a PA.